Thanks, Joe. Well, as I preach this morning, uh, this sermon will be more of a, a teaching, and the last two sermons have also been more of kind of a teaching style. We're looking at a lot of scriptures in, in the Bible. But as I come this morning uh, to bring the sermon, I ask you a question. Would you like to grow in your spiritual life? Do you want to mature in your faith? Now, some of you might be saying, no, I really don't want to grow in my spiritual life. And I guess that's all right. I think that's foolish. But I think it's, it's your life. You can choose how you want to live it. But if you do want to grow, I do hope you'll take notes and pay attention to this morning's sermon. In fact, in your bulletin on the back of the insert, there is a space to indeed take notes if you're so inclined. Because I believe that the truths that I share this morning can catapult your spiritual life in Christ if you act on them. I believe that this message can transform your life in Christ, not because of the eloquence of my words, uh, but only because of the Spirit of God that works through these truths that we find in Scripture. So I want us to prepare our hearts for this moment of potential life transformation. In fact, I hope that when you come every Sunday morning, you have that expectation that God is going to indeed transform your life or someone around you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, Jesus, and for your word in Scripture that can indeed transform our lives. Lord, this is a message that we often do not want to hear about, giving because it presses in on some personal things in our life. But help us to be open to hearing from you this morning and every day. Amen. Past couple of weeks, we've been focusing on financial giving. And I know for many people, this is your least favorite sermon of the year uh, because it is so personal. We've talked about that the past couple of weeks. The series title, as you can see, is Give in love of Jesus. It's part of our calling to give our lives in love of Jesus. And the reason that we give should be out of love. A deep sense of love that we have for Jesus. It should flow out of that sense of of gratitude and and thankfulness that we have uh, for the gift of life that Jesus has indeed given us and the salvation that we have in him. And again, some of you might be thinking, how can a sermon on giving transform my life? I'm glad you ask. You see, most of us, for most of us, money and giving are those areas of our life that we keep most to ourselves and typically give last to God. You might have been saved in an early age. Some of you might have grown up in the church. You might have been baptized as an infant or, or maybe as a, a teenager in sixth grade at confirmation. I've had the privilege of baptizing some of you as an adult. Uh, but typically, we don't give our money, our possessions to Jesus until much later. We don't, in a sense, baptize our pocketbooks until later. Some of us never baptize our pocketbooks. We hold it out of the water. <laughs> We tell God, you can have my life, but I'm in charge of my money. But as you can imagine, this is not what God wants or what God thinks. In fact, God says, if I don't have your money, 
then I don't have your life. If you haven't baptized your pocketbook, if you haven't given that area over to me, then you are serving a different God. You see, because you cannot serve God and money. That's not me speaking. That's Jesus speaking. That is God speaking throughout his word. It is in our financial giving that our faith is often tested the most. Why? Because we feel it immediately. It's not there anymore. We give it over. So let's dive into this last part of this sermon series on giving in love of Jesus. And the the question we're asking is, how should I give? We talked about why we should give. We talked about what's in it for me. And today we're talking about how should I give? We've, uh, and there are six primary ways we should give. This isn't a three point sermon. This is a six point sermon. And there could have been more, but I could just cut it at six. But here are the six primary hows of how we should give. We should give generously, intentionally, regularly, sacrificially, joyfully, and proportionally. As I said, there's other ways, but these are some of those primary ways that scripture talks about how we should give. So we're just diving in because I got a lot of ground to cover. And as I said, this is more of a kind of a teaching sermon uh, than a preaching sermon. But if we give out of love of Jesus, then we should be giving generously. Our scripture from 2 Corinthians expresses this very idea. Let me give you some quick context uh, from Paul who wrote this letter to the Corinthians, this church that he indeed started. Uh, Paul was going, as you probably know, going around to various churches, collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was under severe persecution. And so in our text, Paul is praising the church in Macedonia for its generosity, and he's reminding the Corinthians about this generosity of the Macedonian church. So I'm going to read the text again. Uh, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia for during a severe ordeal of affliction. Their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For, For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. I wish Paul would have a period somewhere in some of his sentences. But uh, now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. There's a lot of stuff going on in that text. Uh, But at the foundation of our giving should be this idea of generosity. Generosity is built on this foundation of love. uh, Because we serve a God who is generous with us. Generosity is not about a specific amount, but rather focused on our heart. From our text from Paul, we see that the, the Macedonian church was generous, even in their poverty, and Paul desired for the Corinthian church to, in, to excel in generosity as well, to be unselfish. Our generosity, generosity should be a byproduct of our love of Jesus. We should give in love of Jesus. We should be generous in that way. That's the first reason. Second, we should also give intentionally. 
Throughout the Bible, we see God telling his people to give intentionally and even to give at specific times during the year and at specific places. Uh, In Deuteronomy, we see God calling the people to come and worship and give a a gift to God three times a year at Passover, at the Harvest Festival, and at the Festival of Booths or shelters. They were intentional about how they gave. Throughout the law in the Old Testament, we see over and over again the specific offerings and sacrifices given intentionally at holy days and for intentional reasons at the birth of a firstborn uh, and, and at the grain offerings, all these different offerings. Uh, this doesn't change in the New Testament either. Now we don't give at the same times as the ancient Jews did, but we are still called to be just as intentional. In both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Paul reminds the people of this. In 1st Corinthians 16, he says this. Now concerning the collection for the saints, this is talking about the Jewish, uh, for Jerusalem. You should follow the directions I gave to the churches of Galatia. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save whatever extra you earn so that collections need not to be taken when I come. They were supposed to be intentional about doing this every week. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul reminds them to give willingly and repeatedly according to what they can give. Now, I know many people who say they don't want to make any intentional commitment to their giving to God through the church. And that confounds me. And I wonder, why is this? Why why wouldn't you make an intentional commitment? You're intentional about paying your mortgage each month. You're intentional about paying your electric bill. You're intentional about many commitments that you make. Why wouldn't you make a commitment to God? Don't you think that should be part of how you live? Your commitment to God as well should be just as important. So intentionality. Third, the third way we should give to God is closely related to intentionality. And that's the idea that we should give regularly. When we give regularly it It helps keep us in check from one of the biggest sins that we all suffer from, self-centeredness. When we do that regularly, when we give regularly, it should remind us. So often in the Old Testament, the law is written in such a way that they had regular offerings and regular things that they had to do and a regular Sabbath that they did every week. Why? Because we are people who forget easily and we get self-centered and we forget, oh yeah, God gave that to me. So giving regularly helps us to pursue uh, God over our own interests. We place uh, God's kingdom above our kingdom. Giving regularly helps us to truly pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Instead of the world's ways, which says, my kingdom come, my will be done. This was a, a struggle that my wife and I have had over the years. We didn't give regularly. Rather, we put our needs first and said we would give to God what was left over at the end of the month. How did that work out for us? There was never anything left over. Never. When I say never, sometimes it was negative. There wasn't anything left over, so we rarely gave to God. But it was when we became both intentional and and said uh, we would give regularly and give to God first that our faith grew by leaps and bounds. That's when our trust, we had to trust because we gave first. 
And faith is built on trust. And so that was important for us. Fourth way in which we should give is sacrificially. Why do we give sacrificially? Because we serve a God who is a God who has sacrificed his own life in Jesus Christ so that we can have abundant life. In our sacrificial giving, we are imitating our master Jesus who showed us how to live. Remember that? Jesus showed us in throughout scripture how we should live. We should live sacrificially. So what is a sacrifice for us? What amount is a sacrifice for us in our giving? It depends. I, I don't know what that amount is for you. But I, I love the quote from C.S. Lewis, though. And this is in his great book, Mere Christianity. If you've never read it, you should read it. Uh, but uh, here's, here's what Lewis says. I do not believe anyone can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. I think that's a good definition of sacrifice, right? There ought to be things we'd like to do but we can't do because we're giving to God. Giving sacrificially means giving God our best and our first, not our leftovers. Going back to our text from 2 Corinthians, we see this practiced by the Macedonian believers. It says this, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing this ministry to the saints. That is a proper attitude in giving sacrificially. Too often, we, 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 when we sacrifice, we're, we're fearful. But, but he says, no, they gave beyond their means, begging for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And that's the way I think our attitude should be when we give to God. What a privilege it is that we can be a part of his kingdom building mission. That's a privilege. Wow. They saw sacrificial giving as a privilege. Again, it wasn't about the actual amount, but about the condition of their heart. The Macedonians were poor. Dollar amount, they did not give a whole lot of money. But percentage as far as who they were and what they could afford, they gave abundantly. Now, I believe a tithe is a good place to start in sacrificial giving. And what does tithe mean? Tithe means 10%. It was the standard starting place in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, the tithe is rarely mentioned. In fact, why do you think that's so? Jesus only mentions it twice, the tithe twice. Once in Matthew and once in Luke. I think that's the only time in the New Testament a tithe is mentioned. And those two texts, we think, are coming from the same teaching, the same uh, scenario in which uh, Jesus is teaching. So why isn't the tithe mentioned more in the New Testament? Are you ready for the answer? 
Jesus was a Jew. Everyone tithed. It wasn't an issue. It, it, every faithful Jew tithed. Most Jews did not have an issue with tithing. It was what they did. It was really a non-issue. It would be like telling me, it's important for you to eat dinner. Got it. Don't have a problem with it. You don't have to tell me twice. I will eat dinner. Yes, I got it. It's what I do. See, that wasn't their issue, tithing. Jesus condemned the religious leaders for tithing, but neglecting the greater law of loving God and loving neighbor. That was their issue. Their issue was they saw themselves as better than, and they forgot to love their neighbor. They forgot that they were blessed to be a blessing. They forgot that they were to bless the entire world and not just be a social club. That was the issue for the Jewish people. Sometimes that's the issue for us as Christians as well. In fact, when does Jesus commend people or challenge people on what they do when it comes to tithing? Let's review the text. There's several of them. We have the widow. Remember the widow? When Jesus is in the temple and the widow gives the last two copper pennies that she has, what does Jesus do? He calls his disciples and makes sure they all see what just happened so that they wouldn't miss it. She gave how much? What was that? All. She gave all. And so Jesus commended her for giving all to God because that meant she had to have faith in God and trust God. Or what about Zacchaeus? Remember? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You got it. Zacchaeus, uh, he was a tax collector. And, uh, and, and Zacchaeus, Jesus came to his house and Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, I give half of my income away. Uh, and, and, if, and, and what does Jesus say? Today, salvation has come to this house. He gave half. Or what about the rich young ruler? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, that you should give away all your money and follow him. I would submit to you that sacrificial giving is important. And it's not necessarily 10%. For some of you, giving 10% isn't really a sacrifice at all. Giving 10% isn't really generous at all. Now, for others of you, giving 10% might be so up there, you're thinking, there's no way I could ever attain that. It's not about the amount, but it's about the sacrifice. Jesus didn't commend the Pharisees for tithing. He chewed them out for not loving. Jesus commends Zacchaeus and the widow, one for giving all and one for giving away half. I told, I've told the story before, but it's such a great illustration because once I was reading uh, in, in the in scripture and I was reading the text about Paul and, and running the race and how important it is to be faithful in running the race and for some reason it must have been during the time that we were doing stewardship campaigns and I was I was having a moment of pride I know none of you do but I sometimes suffer from pride and in, in that moment of pride I was uh, prideful because we were tithing 
giving 10%. And we had been for some time. And I was thinking to myself how great it was that we were, in fact, doing this thing that God called us to do, which was to tithe. And, and in that moment that I'm having this moment of great pride and puffing myself up, God spoke to me in my mind, not an actual voice, but I heard God in my mind. And this is what he said. Congratulations, you've made it to the starting line. Are you ready to run? And I said, no, I'm not ready to run. I was ashamed of it too, because I missed the opportunity. Because God was gonna allow me to run. But I missed it. But it reminded me, don't be prideful about 10%. That's the starting line. That was the starting line in scripture, not the finish line. If you want to run, look at the widow. If you want to run, look at Zacchaeus. Or the thousands, if not millions of other Christians who have given all. We're called to give sacrificially. Fifth, we're called to give joyfully. Again, from our text from 2 Corinthians, it speaks to the joy the Macedonian Christians had in the privilege of giving to the church in Jerusalem. That's what I want for us. I want us to have joy when we give, to have that sense of expectation and excitement. When you give to God through the church, you are participating in the kingdom of God. I hope you get that. I hope you sense that. You're not just giving to First United Methodist Church, Canyon, Texas. You are participating Listen, you're participating in the eternal kingdom of God. God has given you that privilege. You are participating in a cosmic endeavor that has eternal implications. How cool is that? It doesn't matter if it's a dollar or a million dollars. You're participating in the kingdom of God and that should bring you joy. This isn't just about a collection plate going by. This is participating in the transformation of the world. I hope that brings you joy. The psalmist echoes this idea in Psalm 54, 6. I will sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. We are called to give in love of Jesus. When you love someone and you're able to give to them something, doesn't it bring you joy? It always excites me whenever I can help someone, help my kids, or uh, it's an exciting thing. And that's the type of spirit we should have when we give to God. And in that joyful giving, it is also building up our character. Now, I will admit that when we give sacrificially, sometimes we have to give sacrificially first and the joy catches up later, right? Because sometimes some of us have that spirit of fear and we have to get over, we have to learn to trust more. But I love helping those in need. It's fulfilling the kingdom of God. It is blessing your relationship with God. And that should bring you joy. The sixth way in which we should give is to give proportionately. We don't all give the same amount. And we are not, scripture doesn't call us to give the same amount. In fact, even in the Old Testament law, I love this. There were different sacrifices that people could give based on what they had. Those who were poor gave a smaller amount, but all were called to give. 
I don't know if you remember in the New Testament, when, but when Mary and Joseph come to the temple to dedicate their firstborn Jesus, they brought two turtle doves, I believe is what it says. And the turtle doves were the sacrifice that you brought when you couldn't afford a lamb to bring as a sacrifice. It's one of the reasons why we don't think Jesus's family was that well off. But even in scripture, we have this idea. It's not about the same amount, it's about proportion. Those who were poor gave a smaller amount. Deuteronomy, but all were called to give. That's the thing, all were called to give. Deuteronomy 16.10, bring God a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. In Acts, the early church made a collection for the church in Judea because of a famine. And it says the disciples determined that according to their ability, each would send relief to the believers. Here's what I want you to understand. Giving to God is a spiritual endeavor. And it matters how we should give. I've just given you six biblical ways in which you should give. We should give generously, intentionally, regularly, sacrificially, joyfully, and proportionally. As I said, these aren't an exhaustive list from Scripture. There are others that I could have mentioned. That's for another time, another sermon. But now is the time to ask, how will I respond in faith? Will you test your faith by giving generously? Will you grow in your discipleship by giving intentionally? Will you be steadfast in your faith by giving regularly? Will you trust in God by giving sacrificially? Will you allow the Spirit of God to transform you to give joyfully? And will you give proportionally according to the blessings that God has given you? I pray that you do. Because in this journey of giving, a giving that is in love of Jesus, you can find your faith increasing in ways you never imagined. If you'll let Jesus come in and transform you. I've told you before, when it comes to money, my wife and I approach it from two different angles. We're like oil and water when it comes to money. We just do not speak the same language. But it is through the act of generosity and giving that we have learned to trust each other and to know that we want the best. It has actually helped transform our marriage and how we have learned how to give. It wasn't easy, but it's great. Giving ultimately is not about money, but it is a spiritual journey of faith. And the question is, will you be faithful? Let us pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving us the incredible privilege of participating in your kingdom building work. How cool is that? God, I pray that even now that you would open our hearts to you in deeper and deeper levels, that we would indeed trust in you and all that you have blessed us with. And we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. As you came in this morning, you got a bulletin, and in that bulletin should be an estimate of giving card. If you'd take a moment, and if you'd pull that out, I want to explain what we're going to be doing this morning. If you're a guest, this isn't for you. <laughs> this is just for our members or those who call First Methodist Church home. Uh, we encourage people to fill out estimate of giving cards each year. You do not have to do this. But if you haven't, I would encourage you to do so. It is an act of faith on our part.
part of what we do here at the church is we don't set a budget until we do this process. And we trust that God will be in this process. And based on your commitments of giving is where we set our budget. And so we'll be doing that later on. But again, giving is not about setting a budget. It is a spiritual act of faith. So if you have those cards out and uh, you haven't filled it out already and you're interested in filling it out, we're going to go through that right now. Now here's what I would ask for you to do. See, it says your name. It says please print. Why do we want you to print? So we can actually figure out who you are when we get this card. And, and if you would, please fill out your address and a phone number and an email. Because sometimes... Uh, we have several people with your name and you think, oh, I'm the only one with my name. And sometimes we, we have the wrong address or wrong phone and we want to make sure we get that right as well or try to get that right. If you would fill that out at the top. And then you'll see that box in the middle and it says this. Yes, I, we will give joyfully to God through First UMC in 2019. And there's several different spots where you can fill out. If you uh, plan to give weekly, you can put the amount you're going to plan to give weekly for 52 weeks. If you're going to give twice a month, that's what we do because we get paid twice a month. Uh, how much you're going to give each time for 24 periods or monthly, how much you're going to give a month. Or if you just have a number in your head, you can just write that down uh, if one time or as follows or as you figure it out. Uh, this is not uh, a contract between you and the church. This can change throughout the year. And, and here's how it can change. Some of you will have life circumstances this year that you didn't know will happen. And you will need to adjust what you give to the church. That's okay. Some of you might lose a job or some of you might uh, take a pay cut or so forth and you might need to decrease that. That's all right. You don't have to explain it. Others of you will get a, a pay raise and will be blessed in ways that you didn't anticipate and so you will want to increase that amount that you give. That's all right as well. So I just want you to know that as well. And in that gray box below there, there's some things, this is just more for, for me and for uh, uh, as we kind of gauge where we are as a church and kind of our spiritual maturity, uh, kind of where we're going. And that first box is, I, we would like to be a part of the many families who tithe, give at least 10% of their income to God through the church. If that's you and you're tithing, and if you're willing to check that, that would be great. That just helps me to understand where we are as a community of faith. That next box says, I cannot tithe, give 10% right away, but are committing to stepping up this year. So if you're committing to giving an amount more than what you did last year, and if you check that, that's good as well. And then if you've never estimated your giving before, but you're committing to do so for the first time, you can check that as well. The bottom, very bottom, send me information about automatic giving. If you want uh, that drafted out of your account or however, uh, Christy does that in her office and she can figure that, she'll contact you and figure out how to do that. I don't know how to do any of that. Uh, we still write checks. Um, but if that's you, that's uh, an available too. Again, let me remind you, this is not about an amount. This is about your journey of faith. What is your next step? This is a piece of our discipleship, is learning how to give in love of Jesus. It is strengthening our faith. For some of you, money is a big issue, and there's other financial things that you need to be working on as well, budgets and debt and those kind of things. We want to help you with that as well. If you'd ever like to talk about those things uh, or uh, just uh, get some advice, uh, we would love to help you. You can contact me. I'd love to meet with you. I like talking about money. It doesn't embarrass me. It doesn't stress me out. I mean, it does when I don't have it. Uh, but 
but I trust God that he's going to provide for us. So if you ever want some uh, guidance in that, we'd love to talk, sit down and talk with you about that as well. So I'm going to give you just a moment as you finish filling out that card. And then when you filled it out, uh, you can place it back in the envelope. And we're going to place these in the offering plate here in just a minute as uh, the offering comes by. Some of you might not be ready to fill that out this morning, and that's okay as well. You can take it with you, and uh, you can bring it back next Sunday or mail it, bring it by the church as well. Make sense? We're going to just say a prayer of blessing on this, these estimates before we take our offering. In fact, I'll invite our ushers to come forward. Y'all come on up, and we'll say a prayer of blessing here in just a second. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these commitments to you and we know that you're gonna use them for your kingdom. We pray your blessing on them. We are so excited about the ways that you're gonna move this next year that we can't even anticipate, but you have given us the privilege of participating in this and in your kingdom building work and we give you praise, amen.